Welcome back. This is Clean Podcast 3. I'm Douglas Jacoby. In the previous two lessons, we looked at the theme of purity in the Old Testament, studied primarily the Psalms and the Proverbs. But of course, this continues in the New Testament. And we'll be looking at some things that Jesus said in preparation for a study of purity in Paul. Again, thanks for listening. I pray that this will make a difference in your life, your actions, your words, your thoughts, your conscience. And as a result, you'll have a great day. This will have an impact on you. We read in Matthew 6, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus speaks of our heart and our treasure. The same thought is continued in the next verse. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy or single in the Greek, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, if they're double, if they're evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's about our focus, what we're looking at, what we long for. And then also familiar, no one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the whole passage is kind of in the context of God's people resisting the world, not believing the lies about happiness coming from things, happiness coming from money. That's kind of an economic overtone. But Jesus taught purity of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's one of the Matthew Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 9. And again, as I mentioned last time, we may be tempted to think of purity in sexual terms, but that's greatly over uh, restricting the meaning of it. And it's likely to cause us to be unbalanced and to miss a lot of other important truths in God's word. Well, it's natural that if Jesus taught this, that his followers and particularly his chosen apostles would carry on with a similar focus. How do we spend our time? How we spend our time tells us a lot more about how pure our heart is than whether we're tempted by a certain sin. You know, one person is tempted with gluttony, another one's tempted with lust, another one's tempted with maybe materialism. But we're all tested and tempted in different ways. How do we spend our time? I think that's what Jesus Christ is getting at. You know, what we love, what we serve, what characterizes, what fills our body. Are our lives filled with the light and the mission of Jesus Christ? Are they filled with something dark, something worldly? All right. So with that in mind, let's, let's look at some of the passages in Paul's letters that mention purity. In 2 Corinthians 6, and the exact references are found in the notes with the podcast. Okay, I don't want to give too many numbers. I don't want to distract. 2 Corinthians 6, Paul is speaking of his life. Beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Purity, just something that goes with the territory, along with honesty and persecution and treating people well. 
Second Corinthians 11, we read, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Uh, There, it's not talking about sexual sin at all. It's an image. It's the analogy of adultery. We, Christ's bride, we're feminine, we're Eve, we're promised to him and to be led away in this passage to a different gospel or a different Jesus or spirit is, well, that's it's adultery. So purity uh, to, to God is often conceived of in marital terms. One of the most common images of, of God's people going away from him, going astray from the commands is uh, adultery. Think of the book of Hosea. Think of some of those great passages in the major prophets um, that focus on this, but it's in the New Testament too. And all these passages I'm reading, you can apply them to the first you know, level, uh, the level of action or the second level or third or the fourth level of heart. All of the passages, and, and when I study them, I put little numbers by them, but if you want to classify them, why don't you work on that yourself? In Philippians 1, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm not happy just to be on fire for God for a few decades and then be always looking back to that. I want to make sure I'm pure and blameless when Christ comes. And there's no way you can prepare for it as a strategy other than just just living it. It's a daily thing. Philippians 4, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 1 Timothy 4, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. There, I I think he's He's talking about our focus. 1 Timothy 5. Treat older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. And that sounds like he's referring to sexuality. So you have to uh, interpret based on the context. 2 Timothy 2. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Titus 1. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. And Titus 2 says that the younger women should be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So all these passages and we're uh, in the middle of the first series, the first section of our clean series. They're all about purity and cleansing. I just want you to notice how many times in God's word we're reminded to be pure, whether we're men or women, older or younger. And it's not just a sexual purity. It's more about our life, what we do with our time, what we're focused on. And let's pray for purity and cleansing at every level. We should pray that. We should pray right now. Lord, we thank you for 
the great passages and the great themes in both Testaments. We freely confess that we're impure and we need frequent cleansing, even as your people. And for those seeking you, Lord, and listening to this series, please give them the change of heart. Help them to fall in love with the vision of purity and holiness. Thank you for Jesus Christ who modeled it all. Help us be like him in his name. Amen. So purity and cleansing. What happens when we get something impure in our life? What happens when there's a contaminant? It's natural sometimes to eat something that's gone off and to have a stomach bug. Have you ever had that? Uh, The body sometimes quite violently ejects bad food as though it were poison. Uh, can come out either end. I'm blessed by the Lord with a constitution that's pretty sturdy. Maybe once a year I'll have a stomach bub. You know, I'll have I'll be sick in that way. Usually it's because I I, uh, I make a mistake when I'm traveling. I remember that my first time ever in India, I ate some, I drank some watermelon juice. That should have been fine, but I forgot to tell them no ice cubes. Oh boy. Days and days of agony, 10 days. I'd never forget it. And of having to go to the doctor when I got back to England, and that thing affected me for years. Just a little mistake. Once uh, we were in India, uh, this was many years later, and our middle child was a toddler, and we put her in the tub, the bathtub, and we just told her, don't drink the bathwater. Don't drink the bathwater. And her, her brother, her older brother, was watching her to make sure, and but somehow she did it anyway. She she got a bit of the bathwater and swallowed it. And as I recall, in the next 24 hours, she vomited something like 20 times. By the time we got back to Sweden, she had lost weight. She was pale as a sheet. We were really concerned for her. Sometimes just a little bit of pollution is all it takes to mess up our lives. It could be a little bit of materialism, a little bit of lust, a little bit of deceit, a little bit of laziness. One country where sometimes I lead tours has terrible water. And we're warned, even if you take a shower, make sure none of the water goes in your mouth, even if you spit it out. Don't even use it to brush your teeth because you get one drop in your mouth, you'll get sick. And near that's exactly what happened. Just the spray from the water got into the mouths of many of us and the the group I was leading, I think the majority of us had a running stomach just because of that. You know, it's natural for the body to reject poison and to eject it. And I think that tells us something, that for spiritual pollution, we should aggressively, violently resist it. Say, no, this is going to mess me up. Out with it. Put up a fight. Don't just roll over and let yourself be poisoned to death. That doesn't make any sense. Do something. Once again, there are many forms of impurity. How we spend our life, how we spend our time is one of the best indicators to what's actually in the heart. Are we spending our time with people or selfishly alone? Do we spend our time in worldly pursuits? How much of our time is given to think of God, to dwell on his word, to read it, to memorize, uh, to be excited about him. No, this is meant to be a practical series. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow we'll be still in the New Testament. We'll look at passages on purity in the letters of James, Peter, and John.